Hi, everybody. You're listening to the 64th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we plan to live forever in North Carolina. Say goodbye to Florida man, Derek Jeter. Ask Miss Cleo, how long will the lockout go on? Celebrate females in baseball on Women's International Day. And notice that business is not booming in spring training towns across Arizona and Florida. But what's booming is this delicious beer in my hand right now. And this, as you know, is how we start every podcast. So I'm drinking a beer from a good American local brewery called Blue Falcon. It's a Belgian triple. It's in a 32-ounce crowler from Old Armor Beer Company in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Taking a swig. This Blue Falcon from Old Armor Beer Company has 9.1% alcohol. So we will be nice and toasty by the end of this wonderful 64th episode of HBP. As always, I want to tell you a little bit about the town where this delicious beer comes from. In this specific case, I want to talk about a man many of you probably have never heard of, David H. Murdoch. No relation to Rupert Murdoch, the overlord of Fox Corporation. David H. Murdoch is a billionaire, just like his uh, person he's not related to, Rupert Murdoch. He's the owner slash CEO of Dole Food Company. I'm pretty sure we all have something in our kitchen made by Dole Food Company. I actually, this morning, I ate a banana from Dole. Not because I like Mr. Murdoch, but because... Dole food is so ubiquitous across grocery stores in America and probably Canada as well. But billionaires love their love their money. The only thing billionaires love more than making more money is trying to live forever. Billionaires never want to die. They're like that 1994 Oasis song, Live Forever. You and I, we're going to live forever, forever. Go look that up. Oasis, Live Forever, 1984. It's a great song. In Kannapolis, North Carolina, the North Carolina Research Campus is located there. The mission of the North Carolina Research Campus is to improve human, human health through research into nutrition and agriculture. As an aside, I don't know if they, if they sell a lot of Dole products at the North Carolina Research Campus. Not the healthiest stuff in the world. Please, no lawsuits. This is a joke. It's a very fun podcast. Anyways, back in 2004, David H. Murdoch purchased what used to be called the Cannon Mills plant. Cannon Mills plant one. It went out of business back in 2003. He bought it at an auction. And that is now the uh, North Carolina Research Campus. And also, they have a partnership with the University of, Car- University of North Carolina University System, college system, whatever. And they've built basically a $1.5 billion scientific and economic project there. I've never been there, but I find this incredibly interesting because it's a public-private venture. It's supposed to co- they're supposed to collaborate between Murdoch's billions and the Smarty Pants at the University of North Carolina to further improve knowledge in biotechnology, nutrition, agriculture, health. And so you're asking yourself, what does David H. Murdoch have anything to do with me? I've never been to Kannapolis, North Carolina. I don't eat dull foods. 
what do I care about living forever? I'm not a billionaire. I don't have that much money to live forever. This is true, my friend. But you should know that all of your favorite billionaires are having their own longevity companies. It's the new, I'm, I'm being serious. Having a longevity startup as a billionaire is the new status symbol. It really is. Before, if you're a billionaire, it was, do you have your own Gulfstream G650? Do you have your own island in the Caribbean? Do you own your own Lursen yacht, which is a German maker? Do you have your own professional sports club? It's now no longer about sports and mega yachts and this, that, and the other. It's, are you able to funnel your billions to achieve immortality? T, 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 T. Jeff Bezos, he's funded a rejuvena rejuvenation company called Altos Labs. It's an anti-aging startup. So Mr. Bezos, as you can tell, he since he started Amazon back in the late 90s, he was a skinny dude, whatever. And now he's buff. He's super healthy. And uh, it's not just because he has personal trainers and he, and he eats the best food, but he's also, I'm sure, taking whatever it is that Altos Labs is making for him. Larry Ellison, the CEO of Oracle, he's donated over 370 million dollars into research to research into aging and age-related diseases because again Larry Ellison he's not planning on dying anytime soon and the Google founders uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page they've helped launch another startup called Calico Calico is a is a if you can keep a secret I'll tell you what it is it's a venture that tracks mice from birth to death and they want to be able to break down to find out what are the mark the DNA markers for diseases like diabetes and Alzheimer's so the Google founders can continue to live forever off of the trillions of dollars that they're worth. Some, another one of your favorite billionaires, Peter Thiel, venture capitalist, co-founder of PayPal. He's invested in a startup company called Unity Biotechnology. And basically, the, the purpose of Unity Biotechnology is to vaporize a third of human diseases in the developed world. What I love about that is that they're not talking about the developing world. <laughs> so they're like, we just want to get rid of diseases in Western Europe, in North America, maybe in Singapore and Japan and South Korea. But everyone else, sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm not, I'm putting words in his mouth. Please. The HBP General Counsel, they're very overworked. We don't need lawsuits. It's all a joke, people. Peter Thiel, please don't sue us. But he did find, he did invest heavily into uni, Unity Biotechnology. Now, we're about to wrap this up. Don't worry. This is not a billionaire live forever podcast. And I'm going to drink another sip from this delicious Belgian beer. What about Elon Musk? Founder of Tesla, Solar City, SpaceX. Uh, co-founder of PayPal, etc. Elon Musk surprisingly does not have a startup anti-aging longevity. I want to live forever. My guess is Elon Musk is going to be on the first space rocket to Mars when things start going real bad here on planet Earth. So he'll be fine and he'll live forever on Mars with his Bitcoin and Ethereum and flying Tesla cars. I don't know. So good luck to Mr. Musk because every all his other peers, his billionaire peers are investing heavily to live forever. What about you? You know what? I'm going to tell you my plan. And I've had this for years. I want to live until I'm 200 years old. I'm not talking about 
decrepit in a wheelchair for the net for 120 years is like, I made it to 200. No, I want to be like a healthy, I want to be as if it were, I was like in between my thirties or forties type of health for the next well over a hundred years. That's really my goal. I, I am not a billionaire, so I don't, um, maybe Peter Thiel and Jeff Bezos can give me some of whatever immortality drugs that they're taking or if not i'll just try to hitch a ride with uh, elon musk and, and go to mars and try to live longer over there i'm joking what about you how long do you want to live as for me it's as long as i'm healthy i want to live as long as possible as long as you're healthy but on the flip side of that is we're going to have a boatload of people on earth who live beyond their natural 80 100 years and that's a lot of socioeconomic questions that brings up with uh, even more people on earth but anyways, cheers to the good people in Canapolis, to the rejuvenation centers, to Dole Corporation, to billionaires, to yachts, to sports clubs. And cheers to you for using your phone while you're listening to this because HPP is on social media. Our Twitter handle is at HPP4040. The Instagram account, very simple, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow or not. No big deal. We're there for you. We love you. Anyways. Moving on to the sports topic of the episode, talking about Florida man, Derek Jeter. Jeets. I'm telling you, New York people are obsessed with Derek Jeter. He really wasn't even that good of a shortstop. Tremendous clutch with a bat, but anyways. I took another swig. Derek Jeter, as you all know, most of you know, he has been the CEO of the Miami Marlins since 2017. Recently, Back on the 28th of February, he resigned from his position as CEO of the Marlins, and he gave up his 4% minority equity stake in the Miami Marlins. In a statement through, and through social media, he said, quote, the vision for the future of the franchise is different than the one I signed up to lead. Now is the right time for me to step aside as a new season begins, end quote. It's... Interesting he's leaving now because we're in the middle of a baseball lockout. We've already, we're already going to miss at least a week of baseball games. Derek Jeter, he played for the Yankees for what? I think like 19 seasons. He's a player at heart. And now he is one of his goals has always been to own a team. He's done that slightly, not as a majority owner, but a minority owner and not, not for his uh, background, but because he has a small 4%. He had a small 4% equity stake in the Miami Marlins and as the CEO. And basically, Jeter has been trying to mold the Miami Marlins into the, the New York Yankees of the South. But there's a lot of problems here with the Miami Marlins and Derek Jeter. That Derek Jeter, as the CEO of the Marlins, he had a salary of $5 million a year. He, if he had been a player, he would have had the third highest salary for the Miami Marlins at $5 million a year. In baseball terms, that is peanuts. In real world, ter real, real world terms, like us, that's a heck of a lot of money to be earning $5 million a year. But in baseball, if your CEO theoretically has the third highest salary on your payroll, you probably aren't that good. And that's exactly it. And so people have been saying Jerry Jeter left because Bruce Sherman, the real owner of the Miami Marlins, he doesn't want to spend anything more than he has to on player salary. 
you want you are not going to be a playoff contender. You are not going to be a World Series contender if your CEO theoretically has the third highest salary on your payroll, which is mind blowing, laughable. This is not how George Steinbrenner, the very infamous and famous owner of the New York Yankees, used to run his club many years ago before he passed away, before George Steinbrenner went to that big baseball diamond in the sky. So apparently Jeter was upset that Sherman was supposed to spend another 10 to $15 million on players for this upcoming 2022 season. And Sherman was like, wrong, wrong. I'm not spending anything, Derek Jeter. And you know what? You can go. So after Sherman, after Sherman, after Jeter resigned, Sherman's, he sent out his own statement saying, quote, the ownership group is committed to keep investing in the future of the franchise. And we are determined to build a team that will return to the postseason and excite Marlins fans and the local community. End quote. Lies of the devil. Lies of the devil. Bruce Sherman, you don't want to spend money. You, you just expect because there's so many Latins in Miami that they're going to come out and watch the Miami Marlins who aren't a good team. The people of Miami have been burnt twice by the Florida Marlins when they won those two World Series back in 1997 and 2003. They won those World Series out of the blue, and they immediately tore down those teams. To be fair to Mr. Sherman, he was not the owner of those teams. That was Wayne uh, Wayne, uh, Wayne Heisinga, and then it was, I think it was John Henry uh, that was the, the owner back in 2003, if I remember correctly. So if Sherman really was serious about exciting Marlins fans in, in South Florida, he wouldn't have skimped out and basically said, no, you know what, Derek Jeter, we're not spending nothing. We're not spending anything because we're cheap. I don't like to spend money and I don't care that I put a crap product out on the field, but I still expect local Miamians to come out and cheer for the team. Good luck with that, sir. Good luck. While I take this delicious swig of beer. Now, under Mr. Jeter, under Derek Jeter, the Marlins secured a new naming rights deal for the stadium. They had a new contract. They had new uniforms. They did the rebrand, I think, from the Florida Marlins to the Miami Marlins. And they also hired the first female general manager, Kim Ning. Nig. I can't I never pronounce her last name correctly. I really apologize. Uh, the Now the Marlins play in Lone Depot Stadium. The CEO of Lone Depot. They're a brokerage, they're a brokerage firm, mortgage, they're a mortgage lender. Excuse me. Lone Depot is a mortgage lender. The CEO, Anthony, Anthony Hisia, I believe his last name. He's Taiwanese American. He's a friend of Derek Jeter. He's been a fan of Derek Jeter. So they know each other from uh, back in New York. And again, uh, Jeter's trying. When we go to a new company, at, when we go as a senior leadership or whatever, we try to recreate what made us successful in our previous position. And so, again, like I said earlier, Derek Jeter tries to make tried to make the Miami Marlins the New York Yankees of the South. He hired Kim, who also was an executive, uh, was part of the executive personnel for the New York Yankees before being hired by the Miami Marlins. He also hired Gary Denbo as the vice president of player development and scouting. Previously, Denbo had been the uh, A hitting coach for the New York Yankees. And there's just a variety of people with New York Yankees ties in the Miami Marlins organization right now but michael hill who back then was the president of miami marlins back on the 16th of october 2017 called up a longtime scout of the miami marlins his name 
Marty Scott. They basically called him to say, you know what, Marty, uh, your services are no longer required, blah, 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 et cetera. Good luck. These things happen in life. These things happen in baseball. You move on to another corporation. You move on to another uh, baseball organization as well. However, Marty Scott, when he received that telephone call, was in the hospital recovering from colon cancer surgery while also needing a kidney transplant. You don't believe it? Look it up. Michael Hill, Marty Scott, Miami Marlins. Go on your, your favorite internet machine. Go on the internet machine invented by, by the Google dudes who are going to live forever. This is unbelievably unclassy because neither Michael Hill, Derek Jeter bothered calling Scott. It actually, Michael Scott didn't even make the call while this man was in the hospital with his body, his body filled with cancer. And you know what? Derek Jeter is Michael, Michael Hills was Michael Hills boss. The buck has to start, stop somewhere. And it's always the very top who always, they never have accountability. I don't care if you're in sports. I don't care if you're in private sector or in public sector with your state, local, municipal, or federal government. For some reason, the very top are never held accountable for what people do right below them. I, it, I remember when this happened five years ago, and it was people in Miami were just flabbergasted at the lack of class and human dignity that Derek Jeter, Michael Hill, and Bruce Sherman showed to Marty Scott, a human being. But don't worry. Don't worry about Derek Jeter. Don't worry about Michael Hill. Look, Derek Jeter's out of a job from Miami Marlins, but he's still walking away with millions of dollars because he had to sell his 4% minority ownership stake back to Bruce Sherman. He, Derek Jeter's going to be all right, baby, okay? You know that the New York Yankees would love to hire him in some capacity. Maybe ESPN is going to have him on as a commentator. Derek Jeter is going to be all right. Michael Hill, he's all right too. Don't worry about, my, about Michael Hill. He is now a senior vice president of on-field operations for Major League Baseball. So he lives in New York. He's getting paid loads of money. Bruce Sherman, again, don't worry about, don't worry about Bruce Sherman. Homeboy, he's almost a billionaire. He lives out in Naples on the west coast of Florida, two-hour drive from Miami. He's got his hundreds of millions of dollars. He's at a baseball club. He doesn't have to spend any money on the team. He loves cashing them revenue sharing checks from people like the, like the, the LA Dodgers and the New York Mets. Ladies and gentlemen, Marty Scott is still, he's still hurting. He's thankful he's still alive. But can you imagine? Because we've all known a family member, a friend, or maybe we ourselves have had cancer and have had to battle that monstrous disease that eats us up from the inside. So I'm going to ask you this, Derek Jeter, great player, Bruce Sherman, I'm sure the owner of the Miami Marlins. I'm sure he was a fantastic businessman. Michael Hill. I'm sure that he is a wonderful family man. If he has a family, I don't know. But when you hear the names, Derek Jeter, Michael Hill, Bruce Sherman and the Miami Marlins, remember these people fired someone who was laying in a hospital bed fighting cancer. Let that sink in. The Marlins, to me, have always been a joke franchise. They've always been led by a bunch of clowns. And 
for some odd reason in the great universe of the of statistical probability, they've won two World Series in the past 25 years. So Derek Jeter, he's out as CEO. He genuinely tried to improve the Miami Marlins. His boss, Bruce Sherman, said, ah, let's not do, let, let's do the improvement on the cheap, my friend. Let's not do it. And um, so here we are. There's going to be a new face, new faces all around for the Miami Marlins. We'll see what happens. And we will also see what happens with a lockout because we're again bringing back Miss Cleo, aka Weekly Predictions. Last week, we summoned up the ghost of Miss Cleo and she told us we were going to miss a week. What did she say? I did, I did this in the previous episode. I forget what she said. We're going to miss like a week of baseball. And you know what? She was right because the, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manford, said, we're going to, we are not going to play opening, opening week, opening baseball weekend. I'm going to have a drink. Give me a second. And now that's, that's not a good thing on a variety, on a, on a loads of levels. And I hate, and I don't like that Miss Cleo's right, but Miss Cleo, she sees the future. So she's always right. Almost all the time, right? <laughs> that tells me the fact that Rob Manfred and the owner said, you know what, we're just going to cancel the, the first week of baseball. The owners will always suffer short-term pain for long-term gain. Every single time the Major League Baseball owners would do this. Now, Ms. Cleo told me before I started recording this podcast, we're going to miss it. All of April is wiped out. There will be no Major League Baseball in April. None. Zero. That's what Ms. Cleo, Ms. Cleo told me. Because the naked, the naked greed of the Major League Baseball owners is astounding. Oh, my goodness. It's unbelievable. They don't want to pay any of their players anything. They don't even want to give them pay, pay rises. At the same time, the revenues of baseball as a whole for Major League Baseball has exploded from $8.25 billion in 2015 to $10.7 billion in 2019. In that, those four years, that's a 30% increase. Most of us, we might stay for, with a company for two, four years. In those four years, we probably aren't getting a 30% increase in salary in those four years. But the owners, they've had to increase, and rightly so. They put money, whatever. Most of their money is inherited. But that's neither here nor there. But they're like, no, the players are the reason why fans come out and buy the merchandise and buy the $27 bottle of beer at the stadium and watch it on TV. But no, 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 no. We can't give them anything. No, 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 no. We're not sharing. <laughs> and when the owners locked out the players at the beginning of December, the owners sat on their hands. They went on their yachts. Maybe they called up Jeff Bezos and said, hey, can I also invest in Alto's lab? Because I want to live forever, too. The owners sat on their hands, went to the yachts, went to St. Bart's. For 43 days, they didn't do anything with the Major League Baseball's Players Association. They waited 43 days to send the Major League Baseball Players Association their own proposal of this is what the next 10 years of baseball should look like in terms of working conditions, pay, what we're sharing, what we're not, et cetera. If you wait six weeks to do something, you know that you have zero interest in ending this thing anytime soon, anytime soon. So that's, that's one of the reasons why we're not going to have the normal 162 games 
for the 2022 season. Again, and this is not a, this lockout is not millionaires versus billionaires, millionaire players versus billionaire owners. A lot of the, a, a lot of the owners are actually not billionaires. They are unbelievably wealthy, but they're not billionaires. A lot of the players are not millionaires. A lot of those players are making good money for us in the real world. If you're making $600,000, $700,000 million a year, <laughs> you're living pretty well. On the flip side of that, if you're used to living off a million-dollar salary and then you go one month, two months, three months without it, you're going to start feeling that pinch because that's a lot of money, but that's not enough money to be like, oh, we're good. You go to your wife, you go to your husband and say, hey, you know what? We're good for the rest of our lives. For the kids, we're, we're fine. We, we earned $2 million over the past three years. We're fine. It doesn't work that way. And so the owner's strategy, part of their strategy is starve the players from salary because if there are no baseball games, the owners don't need to pay the players. And it's the, the, the players who are on minimum contracts, which is I think is about $575,000 a year. They're going to start hurting a lot sooner than the guy who's earning $10 million a year, who's, who's earned $20 million. Who's... So those there's a lot more people that aren't earning millions of dollars and they're going to start complaining and saying, look, I got to send my kids to private school. I have to pay the mortgage. We have medical issues. The, so the owners want those poor quote unquote players to start putting pressure on the much richer players because they can hold out a lot longer. And it's very sad that here we are, basically the owners declaring economic warfare on their baseball players, the very product that gives them the revenue for all of the gambling sites they have, all of the restaurants and bars that they have around baseball stadiums. At the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm really liking more and more. And Miss Cleo is also liking it because we, you know, we, we don't, we're not going to ignore her. Uncle Steve, Steve Cohen, the owner of the New York Mets, he does not care that you don't want to spend any money. He wants to spend money because he has declared he wants to win a World Series and he means it. This guy's a lifelong New York Mets fan. He goes off into investment world and hedge funds. He makes a gazillion dollars and he's like, I want to buy the New York Mets. That's amazing. I wish I could do that. I wish I could say, look, you know, I've made $10 billion. I'm going to go buy the Atlanta Braves. This guy, he's Steve Cohen is worth something like $15 billion. And he doesn't care that someone like Ken Kendrick, the owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks, doesn't want to spend any money on any of the players. He doesn't care that Bob Nutting, the owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates, doesn't want to spend any money and loves to cast checks from other people because they're welfare queens. Ken Kendrick, welfare queen. Bob Nutting, welfare queen. He doesn't care that the Steve Cohen doesn't care that the Dolan family, the owners of the Cleveland Guardians, don't want to spend any money. Also, welfare queens. The owners are killing the golden goose that is baseball and the revenue. Back in 2020, because of the pandemic, COVID-19, they couldn't play 162 games. But the owners first proposed saying, let's do 82 games. And if you guys remember in the spring and summer of 2020, it was, I can't even stick my nose out the door because I'm going to get COVID. It's life-threatening. It's like, we're all going to die. It's over. We all have to start eating spam and ramen noodles. Baseball, there was no sports. Basketball shut down. European football. Soccer. 
shut down. There was no American football. There was, there was nothing. There was no hockey, nothing. Baseball had a very small window to be the only entertainment game in town in the, in the summer of 2020, and the owners messed it up. Shame on you, Welfare Queens, Major League Baseball owners, but not Steve Cohen and, and a couple of other people. Unbelievable. Originally, the owner said back in 2020, we want to do 82 games. Can you imagine? You had nothing to do in, like, let's say, May, June of 2020. Baseball's on. Let's watch it. You may not even be a baseball fan. You're like, let's watch it. But they didn't do it. At the end of the day, it's like, no, 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 no. If we do 82 games, how much money do we have to pay in salaries? No, 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 no. Let's just do 60 games. Forget it. And that's why the 2020 season only had 60 regular season games and then expanded playoffs. So here we are in 2022, the second time in three years that we will not have a full regular season games in in the sport of baseball. And you know what? People move on. The, the less baseball there is, people will start getting used to baseball not being around. And baseball, if this continues, is going to slowly die as a major form of entertainment in North America, at least in North America, the U.S. and Canada. Unbelievably disappointed in these baseball owners not realizing because they always say they will suffer short-term pain for a long-term gain. But they're thinking economic, not in, you know what, in 10 years, how much money will there be? How much money will there be to earn in 10 years if no one cares about baseball? If if baseball goes the way of professional lacrosse, and you know what, no offense against anyone who played lacrosse in high school and college, but <laughs> professional lacrosse is not getting headlines on in, in newspapers and social media and stuff like that, so... Ms. Cleo, thank you for letting us see the light and explaining to us why owners are killing baseball and the fact that we will not have any baseball in April. So I'm going to have another drink. But you know what's not going to die? We aren't because billionaires aren't going to let us die. I'm joking. <laughs> because billionaires create are creating these products that help us live forever. And that's where our show sponsor comes in. Theranos. Are you tired of going to the doctor's office and having blood taken out the old-fashioned way with big, scary needles? Not anymore. Ask your phlebotomist about Theranos for the new way to analyze blood. Theranos uses the Edison machine, which is the iPod of healthcare. With the Edison machine, you only need one drop of blood to run various tests from cholesterol to cancer, and there's no need for the big scary needles. Theranos, the future of healthcare is here. Cheers to Theranos because we all want to live forever, just like Peter Thiel, just like Elon Musk, or maybe we want to live forever on a different planet like Elon Musk. I don't know, but thank you because without our show sponsors, we can't afford these delicious local breweries and help support American jobs. Our next segment is What's on the mind of me? What's on my mind? On my mind is Women's International Day being celebrated on the 8th of March. And I do want to give, I do want to tip the hat, the baseball cap hat to Major League Baseball front offices. Uncle Steve, Steve Cohen, owner of the New York Mets, 
Billy Epler, the general manager of the Mets, they both hired Elizabeth Ben as the director of Major League Baseball, Major League Operations for the New York Mets. Elizabeth Ben, not only has she been working for the Mets now for a few years, she's also a smarty pants. She actually teaches part-time at Lehman College in the Bronx in New York. Uh, I don't know exactly what she teaches, but that's pretty cool. Like your full-time job is to be a important director in the New York Mets front office. And you're also teaching college classes on the nights or weekends. I think it's pretty cool. So cheers to Elizabeth Ben uh, on the international, on Women's International Week end month. I don't know how do you call it. And the Mets has also hired Gretchen Oquan as a, Oquan, as they say in French, or I don't know how Gretchen pronounces it, but but Gretchen, uh, she's been hired by the New York Mets as a minor league coach. She is the first female coach in Mets history. Cheers to both Elizabeth Ben and Gretchen O'Quinn on their new roles with the New York Mets. Now, Gretchen, she used to play professional softball in Australia, and she was also inspired by Rachel Balkovich, who is now the head manager for the Tampa, Tampa Tarpons in the New York Yankees organization down in Tampa, or up in Tampa, whatever, in Tampa. And Gretchen referenced Rachel recently, which in an interview, she said, quote, Seeing Rachel's journey and what she has done, I became interested in her mentorship program, end quote. We always get inspired by someone that looks like us, sounds like us, thinks like us. It's like, if this person can do it, why can't I? So that's, that's amazing that Rachel being the first manager in professional baseball history, as, uh, I'm sorry, the first female manager in baseball history here in North, in North, in North America, inspired within months Gretchen, who used to be a softball player for the University of Tennessee. And then again, she played professionally in Australia. And a quick highlight again, Kim, Kim Ng is the general manager of the Miami Marlins. We mentioned her earlier this, in this episode. Gene Afterman is the assistant general manager of the New York Yankees. Raquel Ferreria is the executive vice president and assistant manager of the Boston Red Sox. So cheers to all these women making huge inroads into professional sports in, in, in North America. And let me do, let me say that there are better, there are better, there are bettering, there are better hiring track records of females in important positions in major league baseball than there is in the national football league or the national basketball association. I don't know about the national hockey league because frankly, I do not, I do not follow the NHL. But cheers to females climbing up both the executive and coaching ladders in baseball on Women's International Day. And now lastly, I'm going to continue to take another drink from this delicious Belgian triple from Kannapolis, North Carolina, because Mr. Murdoch told me if I keep drinking beer from Kannapolis, I will live forever. Not joking. The last segment we're going to do is the S&P double play. Business and baseball. Business is hurting in Florida and Arizona, people. We're baseball fans. Baseball teams go to either Arizona or Florida for spring training. And they're there for six weeks. You know who else follows them? We do. We're fans. We go 
some people come who some people live in cold places and so they come down to either Arizona or Florida to watch their baseball their their favorite baseball player their favorite baseball team and what do you do when you're on vacation you spend money at hotels Airbnb restaurants car rentals bars museums everything everything is is impacted in a positive way when you're bringing your your money from out of state or even out of the country and two years ago, Arizona State University published a report saying that spring training brought in about $644 million each year to the state of Arizona. In six weeks, that is a boatload of money. In six weeks, one organization, which is baseball, bringing in almost $700 million into your local economy. That's impactful. In Florida, the Florida Sports Foundation also had their own report where they estimated that baseball spring training brings in about $687 million in revenue each year all around the state of Florida. That's one point, what is that? $1.3 billion in six weeks. Unbelievable. And it's not just, oh, well, you know what? I don't own a restaurant. I don't own a bar. I don't Airbnb my home out. Fair enough. But you know what? Let's take, for example, Palm Springs, West, West uh, Palm Springs, that's in California. Let's take, for example, Palm Beach, West Palm Beach in Southern Florida. Palm, Palm Beach is where the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros are based out of for their spring training. Palm Beach County usually receives about $70 million in revenue in those six weeks. And they use these revenue, these tourist dollars towards everyday things like infrastructure improvements in the county, in Palm Beach County, school initiatives in Palm Beach County. This money is real and it has real impact, positive impact on cities and communities outside of restaurants, bars, museums, hotels, etc. Also, a gentleman by the name of Amir Neto. He is the director of the Regional Economic Research Institute at Florida Gulf Coast University, located in Fort Myers, Florida, in Southwest Florida. In an interview, NATO said, quote, these supporters that we see every year coming year to year to visit, to see the training camp, the players, and are invested in the team, it's less likely we'll see them if this passion starts to phase out, end quote. And what, is ref and what NATO is referencing here is the fact that if there's less and less baseball, you become less and less passionate. It's like it's a relationship. It's a familial relationship. It's a romantic relationship. If you're with someone and you start seeing less and less of them, you might get frustrated and you're like, you know what, what is going on here? Or you have issues with your family and you start seeing less and less of some family member or family members. And you start thinking less and less of them, which is sad, but that's life. And it's the same thing that we as sports fan have a relationship with the sport, whatever it is you like, horse racing, Formula One, baseball, soccer, football. The less, it, the less that you're around, the less we think of you romantically, familial, and sports and other things as well. On that bright note that Arizona and Florida are losing hundreds of millions of dollars every single week that we don't have spring training, I want to cheers to you. And I want to ask you, have you ever been to spring training? 
what is your favorite spring training? I'm going to answer my own question. I have been to spring training in Florida. I'm drinking and thinking right now. I have been to, have I seen the Detroit Tigers in Lakeland, Florida? No, I have not. Anyways, I've been to most of the spring training I've been to is on the West coast of Florida in Bradenton, Clearwater, Dunedin, Tampa, that, that type of place. I haven't been to the Southwest of Florida to see games down there. And I, but I love it. I love it. You get to see young players who are going to come up in a year or two. It's awesome being around people who are enthusiastic about baseball. But in Florida, if you do want to go see spring training, you're going to have to rent a car because things are a little bit farther away. I understand that in Arizona, which I, I want to go out there, all of their spring training is with like every single team. I think there's like 15 teams that do spring training in Arizona. They all do it within an hour, like less than an hour. I think it's like 30 minutes, all their stadiums, which is insane. And you apparently you don't really need to rent a car if you go out to spring training in Arizona. And Arizona is not a small state, but I think they just did it probably the better way. But I still love Florida because you know what? In the morning, you can go to the beach, get tan, enjoy the beautiful water. And then go watch some baseball in the afternoon. And then at nighttime, go out, do whatever you need to do. It's awesome. I love it. And then we also love all of our new listeners. I love this. Every week we get to do this. I want to get a, a shout out to our new listener in Marathon, Florida, which is an island in the Florida Keys. Cheers to you, sir. He, him, they, there, she. I don't want to offend anyone. And also, surprisingly, we have a new listener from the Southeast Asian country of Laos. How crazy is that? And awesome. Awesome. I have not been to Laos. I've had plenty of friends have been to Laos and they love it. I, well, the last time I was in Southeast Asia, I didn't get a chance to go out to Laos, but I will. I heard the food is phenomenal. It is like the next Vietnam. And those of you who are familiar with Southeast Asia, Vietnam is the next Thailand. And of course, Thailand is Thailand, the, the nicest people li li literally on this earth. If we still have ties, if we still have ties, if we still have people from Thailand on this earth, Elon Musk should not want to leave because they are the most beautiful, wonderful people I have ever met. Besides our listeners here at HBP, of course. All right. So <laughs> I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. We talk about baseball, drinks, cell division, and everything else under the sun. Subscribe to the podcast or not. You can always find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. You know our social media handles. My drink will be in the episode description and our social media accounts. Join me next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.